Hi, it's Wednesday, <clears throat> kind of in the morning, just finished my lecture, writing it up for Mosi Shabbos, then it'll be out on the YouTube, so now I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about the Haftorah this week. Uh, Baruch Hashem, we have sponsors, and um, it's going to be Avadia. I'd like to thank very much our sponsors, there are several of them, one is Dr. Mayor Adler from Brooklyn, who was nice enough to uh, volunteer to sponsor part of this, uh, in memory of his father, Yosef Arya ben Rameyer, which I understand the Haftar, the, uh, Haftar, the yard state was recently, it was last week, so, as they say, my shalom, nisham, sham, and aliyah, uh, and, and we're grateful to Dr. Adler, uh, also to uh, Sasha Alexander uh, Zacharin, an uh, old student of mine from uh, Hopkins long ago, who did the best thing of all, he married another student of Hopkins, and they've Living in Baltimore, build a bias name and be That's a nice ending uh, for a college experience. And this is uh, in a Fushlema, in the expression of Fushlema for Yisrael Ben Devorah. Uh, and also, I was also asked, and nobody will mind, by the Hoffmans, they're uh, also sponsoring it today or next time, but it's a time sensitive that uh, I hope that whatever schluss we have will be a Fushlema uh, in the best way for Arena Brachabasa, Devorah Gold, and for also for Yehuda Ben Esther. Uh, and I'll return to that next week. So I hope all the people that need medical outcomes will come out the best possible, obviously. And uh, with that, I, as I say, thankful that people are willing to uh, want to do this for the Haftorah. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to one to a podcast I mentioned last week, I think, to my student, Donnie Rose, who lives in Israel now. And he does this uh, uh, podcast, I guess, for obsessive balkares, and if you really care about all this stuff, uh, the shvano, the shvanoch, the 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 dogaches, all the rest of it, I do, but I wouldn't let on. Uh, and he had a very interesting uh, talk last time uh, about uh, what I mentioned before, this phenomenon in the uh, text of the Chumash and the Tanakh about if you have, I'll just put it easy for you. What if you have things that violate the rules of dictok? For example, you have a chatapatach under a consonant or something like that. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, is that correct or not? Last week, he tried to make the case based on um, what he thought was from Professor Breuer, who passed away not long ago, was, was a big expert in this, that they're just bad gearsas. In other words, most of the people listening to this are not familiar with the fact that they're different gearsas on the Chumash. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And um, it's called Masoretic Issues. And anyway, he made certain assertions. And then he had a podcast he sent me yesterday. It's called uh, Sof Pasuk. Uh, if you're at all into Dictic, you'll do so where he like, retracted. And he brought this guy on. I don't know him. Uh, a guy who's even more of a nerd than him. I'm saying that in a good way. You know, super zero down on um, these issues of Masoretic readings. What are the correct texts? Uh, I doubt if most Balkaris have any idea what we're talking about over here uh, with the Messegs and what they call the Gaias and basically cases that violate the normative rules of Diktok and what are the Masoretic readings, what are the correct ones uh, so I think they were talking about Kiyifgashcha or Kiyifgashcha, you know, for example something like that, and but you know the A be a Kamas Katan in which case it be followed by Shwanachar but then you have a problem, Shibika or the other way around. I'm not going to nag you down with the details. If you're the type. I mean, I, I like this stuff. <laughs> right? 
but I know it's not for everybody. If you're the type that's bechlal interested in this, then uh, you'll go into his uh, podcast, which I think again is called Sof Pasuk. Uh, and he's probably going to follow it up. It's actually very good. <laughs> it's actually very good. Uh, it's just this area that's not for the broad public. Uh, it should be, but it's not. Okay, I'll leave that alone. Let's talk about the Haftarah uh, this week, which is the Vadi, of course. Since this is the week where Yaakov and Esav meet up, so you have the famous uh, and very obscure book of Avadia. That's the shortest one in the whole Bible. It's one chapter. You know, say so if you ever have a chemdas or something like that, you say, I'll do Avadia. <laughs> you know, it's like taking the smallest insecta. Because the whole thing is one chapter. Uh, very obscure. Very interesting, very obscure. Because Avadia, the whole book of Avadia is a diatribe against Edom. Hooray, Edom's getting wiped out. Givaldic. And you were betrayed by your own friends. That seemed the best part, you know. Very Middle Eastern over here. Adak vul shulchachol kol b'nei b'isecha hishiyuchu lachan shishlamecha that all your allies pushed you to the border. Those who are peaceful who deceived you and prevailed against you. Ochmei, you know, lach mechal yisim v'mazer tachtecha the people who are eating your bread set a trap for you. Nam is very typical in the Middle East all the time. I have no idea. Nobody has any idea what specific NNC he's referring to. And b'chlab, the whole book of Avadia is very hard to understand only because we don't know who Avadia is. And what's this beef with Adam? Because we don't know who Avadi is, therefore there's all kind of opinions. <laughs> right? uh, one way to approach this problem is a partic- is is a typical Chazalic type way. That's what I mentioned before. It's one of the approaches, not the only one, it's one of the approaches you find in Chazal, which is when you find a, a figure who is completely unidentifiable, you try to um, conflate him with an identifiable figure. Do we have anybody named Avadia in the Bible? Yeah, the Prime Minister of Achav. I bet you many of you remember that from the book of, of Malachim. That's the whole uh, famous uh, story with Eliyahu at Mount Carmel and all the rest of it. In other words, Achav was the king of Israel. He was among the most wicked. It says that it says these words, that the sins of Yeram Nevat weren't good enough for Achav. He had to, you know, outdo them. And the, the dynasty of Achav, from the purely religious perspective, was the worst. Because they were not only into softcore of Azar, namely the golden calf, which I told you was a retarded form of Judaism, but they went for hardcore Avodah which is Baal and Asher, which are clearly other gods. So basically, in the in, in the area of religion, Achav is like the worst, him and Jezebel. And yet at the same time, you have the funny business that a prime minister who seems to be from, named Avadia, he's the one who tells the prophet Elio, don't get me in trouble with Avadia, I've been hiding you know, 50 prophets in this cave and 50 prophets in that cave and giving him food and water, which means he's the prime minister for a king who's killing all the from, right? All the novies. But he, the prime minister, is, is, is sort of like, I mean, it's not the same thing, you know, Lahavdo, but sort of like somebody who's a Nazi who's, who's actually hiding Jews. There's something like that. Now, so you're serving a regime that's bad, but you yourself are doing some good. It's a strange story. And the Gemara, if I remember correctly, and Chulan had all these questions, you know, how did Acha work this out, and, uh, you know, Kashrath-wise, and things like that. But, but you know, apparently he did. And if that's the case, then our prophet Ovadia, who appears in one book in the Treyazar, and is the Haftar of this week, is identifiable, identical with the uh, Prime Minister of Acha. The only problem is, what does he have to do with Edom? You know what What does he have to do with Edom? After all, if you know the map a little bit, uh, Achav, who was the king of Israel, didn't uh, control Edom. Uh, Achav, who was the king of Israel, I mean, he was in charge of Moab. He was a powerful king, by the way. 
this part is true. It's true even, um, shall I say, uh, from the uh, archaeological perspective, because Acha, believe it or not, is mentioned in the archaeology. It's one of the archaeology. I say it's one of the powerful kings of the ancient world. Uh, it's what they call the Karkar stone. Anyway, I won't go into that. So, the Achav should have nothing to do with Edom, which is south of Judah. Um, so, what? Did, why would he be talking about that? Nevertheless, there is such a Mahalach. There's another Mahalach that goes like this. Avadia is, is a Ger. He's an Edomite. And then it's sort of like a sweet irony that the person who is the prophet of doom for Edom was an Edomite. As uh, the Chazal put it, the, uh, what's the expression? The wood of the, uh, you know, notice in order to chop a tree down, you have to have an axe. In order to have an axe, you have to have a blade and a handle. The handle is taken from wood. So you get it? You know, for your own destroyer comes from your own midst. The wood to chop down the tree comes from the tree. <laughs> and that would mean that he's a gear, and that means he totally disassociated himself from Edom and became a great enemy of Edom and totally identified with Claudius Rome. In which case, you have a very interesting Haftorah of the zeal of the convert. You know what I'm saying? He's saying things about Edom that others wouldn't even say. Because he himself would come from Edom. So today we call the expression, oh, you're a self-hating Jew. Some of these Jews like a BDS. You know what I mean? They're so anti-Israel, it's ridiculous. He's an anti... So from an Edomite perspective, you're a self-hating Edomite. Right? There's such a mahalach like that. Okay? In which case, it's, it has wonderful questions over here. What did he see in his native Edom that so totally alienated himself from his ancestral background and to so totally identified himself with the new Jewish background that he, you know, uh, is the prophet of doom. And by the way, yes, in Nebuah, this is some guy in the Velterheim. So in other words, we have quite a story. Consider what I'm about to tell you. There's a guy who's born a guy. He's an Edomite. Somewhere along the line, I have no idea how. He has a conversion to Judaism. Not only does he convert to Judaism, he then plunges into Judaism with both feet, and masters the Torah, and masters Kabbalah to the level of becoming a Navi. And not only that, becomes one of the Treyasa, one of the great Navis. Uh, offhand, can you think? I'm thinking right now. Do I know, know any other of the great prophets of Israel who were not born Jewish? That's a good question, I'm saying. In which case, this guy, Avadi, had a fascinating life that we don't know the facts about. You know what I'm saying? Like, who is he? How did he become Jewish? And how did he become, and how did he reach the level of Nebuah? Okay? Because that's not some, you know, this isn't just some speech of a Demosthenes or something like that. In which you have an orator, and they got in the Bible. He's a Navi. Uh, wow. That's quite a story. Okay? By the way, this idea, since it's in the Chazal, that he's a Ger, uh, became very wide known well-known, and that's why you find, particularly in the Middle Ages, a lot of converts to Judaism, from the Islam and from the Christianity, took the name of Avadia. Don't you think that's interesting? I'm thinking, for example, the Rambam has a famous uh, correspondence with Avadia the Ger. Everybody should read that letter. It's fascinating. That's the one where the Rambam talks about, you know, can you say Elohenu if you're a, a, a Ger? And that's the, that's the famous Rambam where the student who had been born a Muslim and then converted to Judaism and took the name of Vadya, obviously for the reason I just told you, writes to the Rambam that this student is in a yeshiva somewhere 
and the Rebbe of the Yeshiva, this is unbelievable, it's in the Arab world, and the Rebbe of the Yeshiva said that Islam is a Vodazar, it's a form of idolatry. And this guy, unlike our biblical Avadia, says to the Rebbe, No, you're wrong. Islam is not a Vodazar, it's a kind of monotheism. It's wrong, it's screwed up, Muhammad is a liar, you know, I don't believe it anymore. I obviously converted out of it, so it's not a religion to which I subscribe, but it's not a Vodazar. And the Rebbe then blasted the student. That's how the story goes. I could see this. I can even name you the Yeshiva to high school where it happened. <laughs> I know the Rebbe. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he blasted him and called him all kind of names. And the guy, a very angry, very pio, wrote to the Rambam. And he said, am I writer the Rebbe? Right? And the Rambam wrote a very eloquent letter. It's called the letter, the Geras to Avadi de Ger. In which the Rambam says, you're right, the Rebbe's wrong. And the Rebbe violated, you know, 36 lobs or something like that. Because it says he's supposed to treat a Ger very special. A Ger Tzedek. This guy's a Ger Tzedek. Ger Tzedek means he did it lishma lishma, You know, with no ulterior motives, which is not so common. And so, um, it's a very, I, I would just recommend to everybody, if you ever get a chance, I'm sure it's online somewhere. Let a Rambam to Avadi to Ger. There's another couple famous Avadi, I remember, I believe it was a knight, like a knight in shining armor, a Christian knight, or maybe it was a bishop or something in Normandy, who switched Oh, I can't remember the name exactly. Who switched and became Jewish? That's incredible, like in the ten or eleven hundreds. Uh hold on one second. Hey, you know what I did? I just I just pulled up the internet. Uh, if you're interested, go and look on Wikipedia Obadiah the Prozolite, which means Avadia Gare. And you'll find about an early twelfth century Italian convert to Judaism. Uh and he left memoirs and uh he was a Catholic priest. <laughs> right? I'm just, this is incredible, in the Middle Ages. And, uh, what do you call it? You know, he was at the time of the Crusades, and so on and so forth. If you're interested, uh, for those of you who are music freaks, if you're interested in that, he is known for recording medieval Jewish chant in Gregorian notation. So, that'll mean something for those of you. I'm serious, I'm not being funny, out there. It's all based on the Yisob, that Ovadia is supposed to be a gear. Okay? Now, here's my question. So, Either we're dealing with some obscure guy that we just don't know, who must have been quite a remarkable individual, to have been born an Edomite, switch to Judaism, and then rise within the ranks of Judaism to the level of a, of a Navi. Right? That's incredible. Uh, that's quite a story. Or it's somehow the, the Prime Minister of Adia, or it's neither of those two. Right? Those are just opinions. And Chazal could be this one, could be this. It's not the only opinion. Or it's Thomas, it could be a Yid named Avadia, and get over it. And he's writing about Edom. Why? What's he so bitter about Edom? Now I'm going to do something that will surprise you, I think. What do the Jewish people have against Edom so much? I mean, I know the story of Yaakov and Esau. I get it. I understand all that. And Yaakov and Esau embrace in the end, although they don't live together. But let's move on. Where do we hear about Edom? Mamish, where do you hear about Edom later in the Tanakh? Uh, when the Jews are leaving Egypt, they want to go through Edom. The king of Edom says no, and God says leave him alone. Correct? whatever it is, you know, don't go, don't leave animals alone. Fine, they didn't want to let the Jews in. They didn't attack them. Uh, now, let's go to the time of uh, the Yeshua and Shoftim. As far as I'm aware, the Edomites are not a problem for the Jews for the hundreds of years in the time of Shoftim. I mean, who are your Shoftim? You got Ehud who fights the Moabites. You got Deborah who fights the Canaanites. You got Gideon against Midian. 
Uh, you got Shimshon against the Plishtim. You got Yiftach against the Chveis Amon. In other words, all these different... Not Edo. Isn't that interesting? Not Edo. So as far as we can tell, by the records, they have nothing but Edo. Uh, later on in Jewish history, we find, and I'll get to this in a second, the Jews are very brutal to Edom. It's kind of interesting to me. And Ad uh, de Chazal are criticizing them. That's what I mean. So uh, what happens with the Edom? And what is Avadi saying over here when he says, oh, you were rejoicing, just like, this sounds like a Bible criticism part. If you look at the end, in the in the Haftorah, he talks about, uh, you know, you joined the attack on Jerusalem. Don't come to my people, you know, in the time of their misfortune. Don't uh, assume the role of cutting off those who are fleeing. So apparently it was a massacre, the Romans, the Chvez, or some, whoever it was. And uh, and uh, some Jews are running away, and the Edomites are sort of blocking the way and cutting off the stragglers, which is a particularly disgusting sort of thing to do, right? And uh, and therefore God says, I'll punish you, you know, whatever you did will happen to you back, right? Okay? The way that you drunk on Harkochi, which means you participate in doing something bad on Harkodish, based on Migdash, something like that. You used to call a guy, one day the guy will drink that bitter drink and they'll get punished. Then the Jews at that time will be, will be successful. And the base Yaakov, the Jewish people, will be those who inherit Edom and the others. All right? So, uh, sounds like Adam did something bad to us. Now, there is a tradition uh, that you find for, uh, that the Edomites participated in the destruction of the first temple, right? Isn't that the 137th Psalm, you know, Alnaris Bubble? Doesn't say over there something, let me see over here, that, uh, you know, that the Edomites say, keep burning the place down. But that's much later, correct? No, that doesn't fit the time of, of Treyosar. Uh, how's it go over here? There we go. Zechor Hashem Levnei Edom Es Yerushalayim Oru Ado Yisobo Right? Remember the Edomites participated and encouraged the destruction of Basim English. Okay, fine. But that's not Treyosar. That's not the, that's not the Avadia. Let me put it this way. That's not the Prime Minister of Avadia, of uh, Achav. And it's not as far as we can tell, the 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 the, the proselyte, I mean, maybe. I mean, in other words, it's quite out of order. The triosa usually goes more or less in a kind of order. Hoshel Yol Amasavadia. They seem to be in the time of, shall we say, the Silver Age. Yeniram the Second, Uziah, Yosam, Achas Chizkia. That time, and then later on, you get on Vaiter. You know, get to the Chagas Chaim Malachi. That's Vayesheni. It was more or less a timeline. This. So Hoshea Yolamus Avadia. Avadia is in the early part. So it doesn't seem to be you get what I'm saying? It seems to be anachronistic to say that he's talking about Tchorn Beis Unless you take the position that he's predicting the future. I'm sure some of us shall do that. But it's a little weird. Okay? So, therefore, I'm going to tell you what I think. This is a guess. I don't know. This is my opinion. It's all I can ever share with you. Just my opinion. And that will be the following. If you go to the reign of King David, 
Shmuel Beis. So you'll see there was something that I called the War of the Coalition. In which case, it's not delineated in great detail. I'm sure I've spoken about this on other occasions, but Baruch Hashem, people forget. Uh, if you look closely, there's a certain incident that goes like this. David is the king of the Jews, and so far is peace and, and quiet. And then the king of Ammon dies, and King David sends ambassadors to the funeral, and the ambassadors, for various reasons, are insulted, right, and dissed, and, uh, and half-shaved, and uh, sent back to Israel, and David is, takes this as an um, insult and declares war on Ammon. Now, how could the small Ammon take on the whole Israel? The answer is, they were allied to Aram. And so, King David finds himself in a war with Ammon? No, also Aram. And whereas Ammon is a small country, but Aram is a, is a huge area, and they had millions of soldiers, and this is all described more or less. You have to know how to put it all together. Parts of it in small bays, parts of it in Divir Yom, and parts of it in Tehillim. Okay? Parts of it in Tehillim. Now, um, in the story of Shmuel Bays, by the way, before I forget, I think there is a reference to King Saul fighting the Edomites, but that's a little, tiny little episode in his reign, you know, especially if you go like the Seder Olam, which says Saul lasted for two years. Uh, so, yeah, it's mom's a small thing, because most of the time he's fighting the Philistines. So anyway, to get back to what I was saying, so King David finds himself, without having planned this, in a massive war against Ammon. No, that's a small part, against Aram. And there's these monster battles with the Arameans. And they mobilize huge forces. And he mobilizes a million men. <laughs> okay? I mean, the Jews were powerful at that time. And they have one of these battles of the old days with no fancy tactics. It's just one huge mob against another. So it's a bloody business. And the Jews suffer some defeats. Uh, this is You don't find this in uh, Shmuel or... Um, or in Divrei Yomim, but you do in Psalm number 60, right? The famous Kapitan uh, Tehillim, in which it says that David is saying, we're getting defeated over here, and help us, O Lord. Help us, O Lord. We're in bad shape. Now, that means that you're here, you're, you're David and Melch, and you're um, in um, a big war against, to use modern terminology, Syria and Jordan, a coalition. And the Syrians have the big army. And you're fully engaged in it. Right? In the middle of all that, Edom attacked from the south. You see? Edom attacked from the south. No, they stabbed the Jews in the back. That's disgusting. That sounds a little bit like what Avadia may possibly be talking about. You cut off the stragglers and things like that. And wait a minute, I'm not finished. And in Kapitol uh, Samach, the 60th Psalm, it says, Lam Natsech al Shushan Edus Michtam David Lame. That's the intro. Ba'atzoso is, this is a, a Tehillim, a song that David composed. Ba'atzoso is Aram Narayim Besam Tzova, when he was massing for war and battling against the Syrians. Again, Ba'atzoso is Aram Narayim Besam Tzova. The cedar was a coalition of Syrians. Ba'yoshev Yoav, and then in the middle of the war, Yoav, the general of David, turns around, Ba'yachas Edom again Melchne Olaf. And he has to go back and fight the Edomite attack, stabbing them in the back. There's different interpretations of what exactly happened, but the best interpretation is that the Edomites uh, attacked the Jews, like I say, in the back, and wiped out a large Jewish force, and that brought down a um, a crisis in the reign of King David. Vayachas Edom begay Melach, Shnei Masar Elif, which, um, if 
you look at the Targum, it says uh, over here, when Basar came, Tov Yov Umacha Yos Adamoi Bemisha Milcha. When the follow Mechin Yov had to fight the Adamites. When the follow Mechilin the Davi Yov traced off him, and the Jews lost twelve thousand men. Okay, and uh, that was a terrible defeat apparently. And Davi says Elohim's Nachtonu Pratzonu Anafti. So we're all messed over. We're busted. We're destroyed. Hirash the Eretz Pitzam to refresh my club. The ground is shaking beneath my feet. Hirisa Amcha Kasha Hishkisu. We're drinking bitter wine. So we have a big Nisoyen over here. And King David prays to God. If you want us to be saved, I need some divine intervention over here. That's what he's praying, right? And it goes on and on. If you're interested, look up this capital yourself, number 60. Which we see all the time in Dabling. If you want your beloved, no, if you want the Jews to be saved, in other words, we can't win. We need a little bit of intervention over here. Uh, and so on and so forth. It's a very fascinating uh, couple. So Edom came and um, attacked the Jews and caused a major crisis. Now, I'm not finished. What exactly was the nature of this Edomite penetration? They, because you know where Edom is in the south. So he attacked Israel, let's say, from the root of Beersheba heading north, more or less. More or less. And uh, the battle Yov had with them which, which, according to the Targum, he lost. He lost 12,000 men, uh, was in Gay Melach, you know, an area of the Dead Sea. And so that means that Jerusalem is open. And um, if you look at the other Tehillim, which is 79, it's all famous stuff. So once again, uh, you see that uh, there's a massacre taking place in Jerusalem. Uh, famous uh, description, which is often thought of to refer to Messianic times, which I don't think you need to read it like that at all. It's even Pashim Shot. This is Mizmer La'asaf. Elohim Boim Genachlo Secha. The enemy has come in your Nachla Timus Hechel Kachecha. Samus Yushalayim Le'iyim. He left Jerusalem, you know, desolate. Okay? Samus Yushalayim Le'iyim. And for Churban, you see? Nosnos Nivlos Avadecha Michael Evashmayim. They're, 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 the, the Jews are now, uh, the dead bodies are food for the buzzards. And so this prophet is also saying, How long are we going to suffer like this? This is where you have the famous And so on and so forth. So, to my mind, this is, is is not to be read, as is often, uh, you know, with the Mizrah of as referring to something in the future. Because after all, in the time of Asaf, most people say, like this, when was Jerusalem attacked? He must be referring to Churm Beis Amigish, and he foresaw all this with Ruach HaKodesh. Do you get it? But if it's Asaf in the time of Dovon Amalek, that's long before it. I think he's referring to Edom invasion. That's what I think. And this incident that I told you before, that the Edomite stabbed the Jews in the back, and brought about a uh, terrible korban. I think this is what David's talking about in Capital 60, that they broke into Jerusalem area and covered a place full of massacre. Uh, in the end, David wins. All right? If you follow the story through and you coordinate the three sources in um, Shmuel Beis and in uh, Devarim and in um, Tehillim, to my mind, if you coordinate them properly, you see... Then in the end, there's a massive battles and Chelam on the other side of Jordan and King David eventually defeats 
and Mamish defeats the Arameans and Bussam, the, the powerful warrior, it was a tough war, okay? It's a tough war, but he does win. Now, um, when that happens, uh, so then he had a respite, and then, uh, now you have to coordinate this with the Book of Malachim. Then Dubba was in a bad mood, <laughs> right? Because he did survive the crisis, that's true. And um, on the other hand, look at all the junk that was caused him by these guys, these, um, you know, um, all these enemies of his. The Jews, if, if what I just described is correct, the Jews had a lot of casualties. Let's put it that way. Even though when you read Stamaz or Yishmael, it looks like David always wins the battle, tra-la-la-la-la, it's more complicated than that. It was a lot of casualties, okay? And um, if you, uh, now let me pull up here one second. Here we go. Go to Melachim chapter 11. And it says that when Shlomo started to mess up and go off the derech, so he, part of his empire started breaking away. And one of them was Edom. And the Pusik says, but he beholds David as Edom. You have to understand, when King David came down to Edom, meaning after they defeated Aram, and he said now, um, Yoav, Baalos Yoav, Sarat Sabah, Lekabres HaChalolem, that Yoav went back to bury the soldiers. Isn't that interesting? It's like the Israeli army today. You know, leave no one behind. Yet it's an old battle, but he said you got to give him Kever Yisrael. That's just interesting. You know, 10, 12,000, according to some places, 18,000 uh, dead. You want to give him a burial, even though bodies were obviously skeletons or something like that. But uh, nevertheless, he came to bury them. Vayach kol zachar be'edom. So when he came there, he said, it's a payback time, guys. And he wiped out all the males. And he knows they, they launched a war of extermination, right? An extermination war in Edom that killed all the males. Vayach kol zachar be'edom. Ki sheishis yomim yashav sham yovachol Yov and the army, under King David's direction, they said, we're going to do this right. Then they stayed six months in Edom to kill every male. Ad hichris kol zachar be'edom. That's quite a statement, right? Ad hichris kol zachar be'edom. Now, i got no problem with that because the enemies attacked us. We were leaving them alone and, 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 and they stabbed us in the back. It's particularly disgusting, like the prophet Avadia says, that they, you know, uh, moved in this uh, furtive way, as uh, Roosevelt called it, a day of infamy, a dastardly deed. Uh, but anyway, whatever the case is, um, here's the interesting thing. The Chazal say that, there's a whole story in the Gemara called Zecher, Zacher, Whatever the case is, the um, the Chazal say there is an opinion in Chazal that this was wrong, that he overdid it. You hear what I say? He overdid it because uh, you know Edom is related to us, and so there's such a thing called taking revenge, and then there's such a thing like the liberals. Uh, you know what's the ex- what's the expression? Excessive use of force, the proportional. I think that's it. Proportional response in the rules of engagement. And King David violated proportional response. He should have gone down and killed a couple of Adamites or something like that. Uh, but not like a Hitler type thing. Kill everybody. And there's an opinion, Chazal, I remember seeing it in the uh, Yushalmi in, the, in, uh, uh, in Rosh Hashanah. That, I think it's from Nehemiah, I believe. That there's a black mark against King David. And that is why they have two places. One says David ruled for 40 years and 6 months. And the other place says David ruled for 40 years. And they try to reconcile, and they say, well, the six months we don't count, because that's the six months he was wiping at Adam. He went too far. Went too far. You understand? There's another occasion like this, 
in the Tanakh, later in the book of Divrei Yomim, where one of the kings of Yehuda, uh, Amatzia, has a war against uh, Edom. This he decided on his own just way to do it. It's a war of conquest. And then he uh, took so and so many uh, prisoners and he pushed them off a cliff. So he killed all the POWs, Edomite POWs. And once again, the Chazal said that was a bad thing. So it's a funny relationship over here that you have this savage attitude towards Edom. Uh, to my, the best I can come up with, that's all I can ever do, is that the memory of stabbing in the back. You understand? The date which lived in infamy. The Edom came and went against the Kalisrael and killed so many thousands of people. Whatever it is. In Jerusalem itself, in the Holy City, uh, this became uh, hardwired into the Jewish memory and made Edom an object of particular hatred. And I think that's what you, in my opinion, I think that's what you see referred um, uh, reference in our Haftorah today, where the whole book of Avadi is all about, hooray, hooray, Edom is getting wiped out. Right? And that, uh, you know, you're getting, it's, it's a tit for tat. And uh, you've been bad to us ever since Yaakov and Esau. And uh, now you're getting what's coming to you, right? And he even ends up with a funny pasuk which says that, uh, you know, the Negev will, will possess Mount Esau and the Shvela will possess the, the Philistines, uh, which, which sounds like the Jews of the South will take over uh, Edom. Now, what's funny is, this is a little bit the case today. You know, it depends how you read this, you know, what does Sarfas mean? What is a Sfarab? But whatever it is, it's funny because... Part of the state of Israel today is the Negev. The Negev, um, I'm not sure exactly why Israel got this from the United Nations point of view, but they did. And, uh, I mean, I know the reasons, but it's a little strange. And uh, the Negev is about half of Edom, roughly, roughly. If you want to know where the kingdom of Edom was, it was, uh, you know, on both sides of the Dead Sea, shall we say. Now, you realize, when you go to Masada and you look across, that's Moab. So just go south of that and you get the idea where Edom is and Petra and all that business. And you see that um, Edom, of course, doesn't exist anymore, but um, the Jews, the Israel, Israelis anyway, kind of control part of it, uh, right? Kind of control part of it. Uh, having said that, it's not as simple as that, because otherwise this, is, this would be simply of um, archaeological interest. But as we all know, Edom came to be, in future times, uh, identified with Rome and with the West. In which case, the threat of Edom did not recede with the destruction described in the Book of Adi of the actual kingdom of Edom. And uh, I would say that from the point of view of the Chazal, when they're looking at Avadi and these other places, uh, they're going to try to read uh, the prophecies of Avadia concerning the kingdom of Edom in reference to Rome and to Western civilization in the Western Empire. That's what I would say. Okay? Um, so you end up with a uh, pretty uh, strong uh, feeling here against Edom. Now, by the way, if King David didn't massacre the Edomites, and if Amatia massacred the Edomites, then you understand why they said, Aurora Yisoba. <laughs> if I was Edomite, I'd say the same thing. You know So you end up with a, a, a very... Um, uh, Strong feeling of people not forgetting the past. Well, that is the Middle East. You see? That is the Middle East. So we end up, as I said before, with this uh, obscure but very interesting Haftorah 
I've given a suggestion of what I think he might be referring to. Maybe it could be something else. But in the end of the day, the most interesting thing to speculate on is if this guy was a Geir, as it was said, a Geir Tzedek, of course, Geir Tzedek, it's interesting that not only did he come from the Judaism, but he hit the level of Navi. That's like somebody who was born not Jewish and becoming, the, the, the modern equivalent would be, you know, a big Hasidic Rebbe, which I can't imagine. Or the, the, the leader biggest yeshiva or something like that. Was hard to imagine. Um, it shouldn't be, but it, but it is. So uh, anyway, with those, what I consider to be fascinating uh, uh, obscurities, we uh, we look at this Haftorah of uh, of Ayishlach.